Welcome, and thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Maryland's Most Notorious Murders, where the most gruesome, the most grisly, the most high-profile homicide cases in Maryland are examined and profiled. On this season finale of season one, Child Murderers, the murder of four-year-old Malachi Lawson is examined and profiled and the unsolved homicide of Bruce Delbert Royster is profiled. To be honest and blunt, from all appearances, it seems as though four-year-old Malachi Lawson had it rough from the beginning. At just four years old, he walked with a limp because he somehow suffered a fractured femur when he was a baby, and he possibly had mild autism. Child Protective Services had placed him in foster care for several months because of possible abuse and neglect by the hands of his mother, 25-year-old Alicia Lawson. But eventually, he was giving back to his mother and her wife, 40-year-old Shatika Lawson. By all accounts from family, friends, and neighbors, it seemed like everything was going okay until on the afternoon of July 23rd, 2019, a drastic turn of events led to a murder. According to published reports, on July 23, 2019, Malachi accidentally soiled himself at his home in the 1800 block of North Spring Street in East Baltimore. Shatika reportedly put the four-year-old in a bathtub full of scalding hot water. Apparently, she was distracted with talking to her mother on the phone and didn't notice that he was basically being burned alive. The couple both washed his soiled clothes in a sink and heard nothing apparently. Later, when Alicia went to check on him in the tub, she noticed that he had been burned so bad that his skin was floating in the bath water. Instead of the couple rushing the boy to the closest emergency room or calling 911, they decided that the best thing to do was to try to treat his second and third degree burns themselves. For nine long days, Malachi suffered. Imagine being burned. Now imagine suffering from burns that freaking covered over half of the lower portion of your body with no pain meds, probably retarded elementary home treatment remedies. Imagine enduring all of this and probably including not eating or drinking throughout this whole excruciating ordeal. For nine whole days, this four-year-old baby suffered throughout all of that while they basically watched him die a slow, painful death. Alicia reportedly didn't seek medical treatment for her son because she knew that they would ask questions. She knew the doctors would be extremely suspicious. She knew how things looked and she didn't want Child Protective Services to take her son away again, so she did nothing. Her wife, her excuse was, oh, I wanted to take him to the hospital, but since he's not my biological son, he's not my responsibility. But was he your son when you were putting him in a tub of scalding hot water? (laughs) 
On the morning of August the 1st, 2019, Alicia woke to find her son lying in a puddle of wetness, unresponsive, not breathing, and she knew he was dead. Then her actions can only be described as bizarre. She wrapped his dead body, his dead, badly burned body in a blanket arranged for a lift ride to her grandmother's neighborhood 10 miles across town over west in the 5500 block of Haddon Avenue in Gwyn Oak. Once she got there, she put her son's body in a large black trash bag and threw him in a dumpster like garbage. That's when she decided to call 911. But instead of reporting to the dispatcher that she had a dead body on her hands, she reported that her son was missing. When Baltimore City Police showed up to take a missing persons report, Alicia told them that she and Malachi had been sitting on her grandmother's front steps and she went inside her grandmother's house just for a second, leaving Malachi outside. And when she came back outside a few minutes later, Malachi was gone. The Baltimore City Police Department takes every suspicious mercen, missing persons case serious, but an autistic four-year-old who walks with a limp? They wasn't playing or wasting no time with this one, so they immediately set up a search party that included about 100 volunteers, which were strangers, neighbors. The FBI got involved and they had flyers and posters made up. The Maryland State Police did their thing and used their dogs to help in the search for the boy. Meanwhile, the cops and detectives aren't stupid, not by a long shot, and they kept up on the intense questioning of both Alicia and Shatika. And on the very next day after his mother reported him missing, Alicia confessed to the detectives the truth about what really happened to her son, and she told them where they could find his body. Once the investigators found Malachi's body, they discovered that he had severe second and third degree burns over half of, of the lower half of his body. Both Alicia and Shatika were arrested and charged with murder and first degree child abuse resulting in death and making false statements to police officers. The investigators did their work and when they tested the bathtub water in their home, they found that the water never got above lukewarm temperature. And when the FBI searched Alicia's computer web browser's history, they saw that she had recently looked for trash collection sites. An only child, Malachi's funeral was held at Mount Zion Apostolic Church, Faith Church, and hundreds of people attended to pay their respects for a boy that they had never met. Dressed in a cowboy outfit, it was reported that Malachi loved Paw Patrol, he loved Mickey Mouse, and he was just about to start pre-K in September. His aunt gave a statement to the Baltimore Sun that read, Malachi wouldn't let you be sad around him. He had a smile that would light up this whole city. He loved dancing and his favorite color was blue. Whenever Paw Patrol came on, his imagination took over and he would transform into one of his beloved characters. The Charm City East Moose Lodge 70 
donated a burial plot and Malachi was burned and buried in Woodlawn Cemetery in Baltimore County. Held without bail, Alicia, who had no prior criminal record at all and had managed to maintain a steady job at McDonald's for four to five years, eventually accepted responsibility for her actions and accepted a plea deal for neglect resulting in death and got a life sentence with all but 30 years suspended plus five years of supervised probation. The Frederick Douglass High School graduate expressed remorse and at her sentencing, her attorney said that Alicia, as a child, had been through neglect and trauma herself. She said that Alicia had suffered through depression anxiety, and had nightmares ever since her son died. She continued that although she never intended for Malachi to be scolded to death, she knows and understands fully that she should have immediately taken her to the hospital for immediate medical treatment. She said Alicia accepts full responsibility and would give anything to go back in time and do things differently by immediately seeking medical treatment for Malachi, regardless of the consequences for her. Shatika's lawyer is taking on a whole other defense saying that Shatika didn't even know that Malachi had died on that, or that Alicia had taken him out of the house that day. As of this airing, as of the airing of this podcast, Shatika has not been convicted or sentenced for anything yet. And she isn't scheduled to go to trial until February of 2022. Now, this homicide was notorious in Maryland because for number one, a young four-year-old autistic boy who walks with a limp, burned to death, it, it, it set off anger in every resident that lived in Baltimore City at the time when this happened. Um, and especially the graphic nature that his mother described how he died. I mean, his skin floating in the tub. I, I, I cannot get past the idea that you would not think the, to call the police or to call 911 or to get medical attention. But before we even go back to the burn, the broken hip, the femur, I'm curious as to believe, was that the reason why he was put in foster care? Um, I have a funny feeling that is the reason why he was put in foster care in the first place, you know, to have a broken femur as an infant. I really feel bad for the foster mother who had been watching him and who had wanted him and was not uh, given, he was not given to her because ultimately the goal of child protective services agencies is to reunite the child with the parents. In this case, it was a mistake. It was a, a mistake that turned deadly. Um, and also, I just don't believe that he was scalded in a bathtub. There's no, he didn't scream, he didn't yell um, when she put him in the tub. Um, even if he accidentally turned the water on himself, there was no screaming, there was no yelling, there was no crying, there was no anything. That 
part right there about him being in a tub being burned accidentally sounds really fishy and sounds really suspicious i just don't believe it i believe that maybe he burned himself some other kind of way but i don't think he burned himself in a tub um and especially without making a sound i find it very hard to believe and also as far as the actions of his mother to let him just basically sit there and just die that's what gets me the worst thing that would have happened is yes he possibly could have been removed from her care but he would still be alive he would still be alive and now it's just it her defense sounds really weird and also her wife her excuse as you know her excuse that she's using he's not my son you know i wanted to take him to the hospital but i couldn't because he's not my bo- what really wow that's un- unbelievable um i believe that both should be sentenced equally and especially if shatiko was the one who placed him in the tub in the first place you know um she sought no medical treatment for him as well and just because he was not her biological son that's your excuse unbelievable that she would even say that with a straight face like what if you saw a a child on the street that needed attention and would you just keep walking or just ignore it because he wasn't your biological kid unbelievable when i heard this story um i kind of feel bad for the mother a little bit i do believe that she expressed remorse uh, it does seem like she was sorry. Um, I don't know what kind of trauma or abuse that she went through where she second-guessed taking care of her son, but she ultimately paid the price for it. Uh, her wife, Shatika, is not up for uh, trial, not up until February. Um, I would imagine that she would possibly receive either the same sentence or a sentence lesser than what her than what Malachi's mother received, the life with 30 years suspended. I believe the the um, I, honestly I believe her sentence will possibly either be the same or maybe she'll get 20 life with all but 20 years suspended because it doesn't seem like she participated in actually disposing of Malachi's body. So even though she knew what was going on and even though she did not help in rendering aid for this child, um, who knows what her sentencing will be, but I will definitely keep my listeners updated as to when she goes to trial and when what her sentence will be. This episode's Unsolved Homicide is the, episode, is the unsolved homicide of 62-year-old Bruce Delbert Royster. On Tuesday, January 3rd, 2012, and the first homicide of the year, around 9.45 p.m., police responded to a shooting in the 4,000 block of Edgewood Road in the Arlington neighborhood north of Lake Ashburton. There, they found 62-year-old Bruce Delbert Royster, who had been shot several times and was slumped over the driver's seat of his car. 
paramedics rushed him to Sinai Hospital, where he later died. Bruce's last known address was in the 2900 block of Baker Street in West Baltimore, and he was a certified public accountant. Bruce, who was born and raised in Baltimore, spent his life at his home in the 2900 block of Baker Street. He graduated from City College in 1967 and then went on to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Later, he went to the University of Baltimore where he graduated in 1972 with a bachelor's in business management. Bruce insisted on establishing the Zeta Gamma chapter Captain Alpha Psi of Fraternity at Coppin State University. Although he was never a student there, Bruce remained an active member of the fraternity and attended all of their yearly homecoming parties. He had worked for Arundel Ice Cream, the state of Maryland, and Howard University before opening up his own accounting practice in 1992 and operating it out of his Drew Park Drive office. Bruce gave back to his community often by providing college students with internships and summer jobs at his offices. He was an avid sports fan who loved to read, he loved to play pool, and he loved golfing at the Forest Park Golf Course with his fraternity brothers. He was also known for his witty, sarcastic sense of humor and how focused and determined he was. The police have absolutely no leads in this case. This is a case that we need to get solved. If anyone has any information leading to an arrest or conviction, please call Baltimore City Homicide Detectives at 410-396-2100 or 1-866-7-LOCKUP or you can even text them at 443-902 4824. Once again, thank you for everyone who tuned in to season one of Maryland's Most Notorious Murders. The next season, season two, teen killers will be examined and profiled. Tune in next episode where we will profile Maryland's most notorious teen murders or teenage killers. This has been a real life production and thank you for tuning in to Maryland's most notorious murders. <laughs>